you freaking auto? This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roy, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Yeah, we're along on a Monday morning. Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports on 710. Might actually rain today for the first time in, what, a month or so here in Seattle? Not till later today. I mean, let's not get carried away. It has just been unbelievable. Crazy weekend in the city with basically everything going on. And, Brock, it, it honestly did seem like the Mariners might make themselves a significant part of the conversation again. We said on Friday they kind of needed a sweep, mm-hmm. and they went out and were oh, so moments close. away from getting that sweep. So, so close. So close. I, I was driving back from beautiful Missoula yesterday by mm. myself, which I don't mind doing. And I was listening to the great Gary Hill and Shannon Dreyer and Dave Sims on the call of that one and in its entirety. And it just, yeah, you got to that ninth inning yesterday and you just felt like, okay, here it is. Here it is. All, all of this climb this season, all these ups and downs, all these peaks and valleys, all these country roads, all this stuff is going to lead to Julio getting it. And they bunted. And they bunted JP. For and, Julio. And, and JP and, and Sims and, and Gary had a nice little back and forth, and you could see Gary's like, well, you know, JP's been your best hitter in these moments, which he has been. And I think all four of us have said all year long, who's the one guy you trust in that moment more than anybody? It's JP. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Scott does, I think, baseball-wise, the absolute right thing. JP lays down a beautiful bunt. You have Julio. He's ahead in the count. You're like, here it is. He's going to get the hit. And you're going to sweep these these guys. And you're going to be two and a half games back. And you're going to be three over 500. And you're going to win four games in a row. And a chance to win your fifth for the first time. Also, all of these things are right there in your hands. Until it wasn't. Dolio <laughs> takes a wild swing, strikes yeah. out, and Suarez hits a you know a nice fly ball that would have been great with one out, but doesn't quite get the job done with two. Yeah, it was super frustrating, man. There were some decisions in that game that I you know I'm a big Scott fan, but I'm going to criticize the decisions. I did not understand letting Wu start the seventh. I thought he was pretty well done after six watching the game, and it seemed like he was cooked. And you're trying to coax. Well, I mean, you had both guys warming up. You knew he was one bat, and and he get let him out there. He let the, walks the leadoff guy, and guess what? That guy ends up coming around to score, and that ends up being a, a huge run in the yep. game. And he's going to tell you we've played ten games in ten days. We got more games ahead. I get of it. it. Like just in I the- understand the. I understand why it was done. Watching the game, it was yeah. a tough one to swallow. Yep. And then the next was, was you know, there was some Wong hitting against the lefty, some other things. And I'm sure those, usually when things like that are head scratchers, there's more to the story than you know. So, all right, I'll, I'll accept that one. But bunting JP, I generally like that play. Yes. I didn't like it yesterday. And maybe Scott was thinking they were going to walk Julio. That's what they had done on Friday. Yep. They walked Julio in the same spot on Friday. Maybe Scott was thinking they're going to walk Julio and then I'm going to get Suarez and tail up Mm -hmm. and that that's a better opportunity for me. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. Mm -mm. Right. I mean, unfortunately, they didn't do it. Joe Doyle tweeted this yesterday. Julio Rodriguez is hitting 153 with a 36 percent K rate in the ninth inning. Yeah. He's hitting 174 in high leverage spots this year. In big moments, 
unfortunately, Julio has been at his smallest. I don't think that's like a problem for him for the rest of his life. I don't think he himself is unclutch and, you know, he doesn't have the gene. And because of it, it's going to cost him forever and ever. Yeah. In fact, Scott was asked what the problem is with Julio in those spots. And I think his answer is very telling. I think at times, it's not just Julio, but a lot of young players, you know, you, you want to be the guy. You want to, you know, he wants so much uh, for our team to move forward. And, you know, he's grinding. He's trying. And sometimes, you know, you try a little too hard uh, in those spots. I thought, you know, what Teo did the other night. You know, he went up to the, the bat, and again, Tails got uh, many more years, many more at-bats than some of our younger guys, but very definite, clear plan. He was going to take it the other way and, and go from there. And, you know, our players will learn that, the younger guys. You know, the more experience they get, that's part of maturing, um, you know, in this league because they are going to pitch you a certain way. Uh, but, you know, just wasn't able to get it done today. So I, gr- I reached out to the great Luke Arkins, which I love to do in these moments, as you know. And I said, uh, you know, Luke... Has Julio had a clutch hit this season? Like late late in the game, has he had a clutch hit this year? So Luke went and looked at it and said, well, clutch can obviously have a different meaning to different people. He had that big double with the bases loaded that kind of broke open a game. Mm. That that absolutely, I remember it happening. Yes. But I think I know where you're going with the question. The attached screenshot illustrates the stats of Mariners hitters during any of the following situations in the ninth. So I don't know if that double was in the ninth. Maybe it was in the eighth. I think it was in the eighth. So go ahead, uh, run at the plate, go ahead, run on base, tie and run at the plate, tie and run on the base. He has had 11 opportunities, 11 of those. He's walked once, and he's gone over. Yeah. And, and I appreciate Scott covering for him, and he's covering for him. Is I don't any, think he's covering for him. I think when you say, you know, young and, and he's going to learn and he's well, trying he's too hard. It, I mean, but what he's saying is he doesn't have a plan. That's the right. plan is not good. Right. Older guys have a plan. Tail went up there to hit the ball the other way. Julio's just up there swinging wildly. And the great Dave Sims, like Mike Blowers, so I really appreciate those two, and I miss Mike Blowers a lot. You could hear it in Sims after all of these years. There's these little tells he's going to give you. And when you work for the Mariners radio, you know, it's, it's hard to do that. You're not going to criticize and critique these guys. They're your own. But you can tell Dave, and he says things like, oh, he really swung at that one. Oh, yeah. you know, he's, he, he really went for it on that. Like, just turn it down a notch. Just slow that heart rate down. Well, and, maybe if that's the case, Dave could stop talking about how everything is going to be a home run and how they could really use a home run true. in that spot. <laughs> because they don't always need a home nope. run. And sometimes they just need Julio to make freaking contact with the baseball. That's right. And he couldn't do it yesterday. Nope. It was very frustrating. It's been a thing all year long. There's no doubt. And, yeah, instead of pulling off a sweep, which would have been four games in a row, that brings them right back into the thick of things, man. You're kind of looking at it going, eh, four and a half out in the wild card, kind of where you've been, right around 500, right where you've been. Look, they could go to Minnesota, sweep the Twins. All of a sudden, you've won six of seven, and we're having a different conversation. I'm leaving my mind open to the possibility that this team can yeah, do because they're capable well, of it. And there's still hope. I mean, it's four and a half, not eight and a half. There is still hope. There's three wild card spots. You know, presents- can you imagine if after all this, this team makes a wild card? I mean, it would just be one of those things where you're just like, gosh, unbelievable. Of course they did. Yep. All these injuries, all these ups and downs, all these peaks and valleys, all of these moments, right? And Friday and Saturday, as you ran through those, were were phenomenal. They're one-run wins. They're comeback wins. 
Uh, a bunch of buddies texted me Saturday. That was the best win of the year. Down oh, your phone was working down Saturday? Down three runs. It That's was, interesting. I, wouldn't, I didn't think so. I thought your phone wasn't working it, Friday or it, Saturday. It was working well, Saturday. It's weird. In I fact, I tweeted. I didn't see any texts from I you. I tweeted something very positive you did? Saturday. Yeah. Were you from, feeling okay? From Glacier National Park yeah, I, of I all places. I assumed I would have gotten texts when the yeah. Mariners had their two great comeback wins. When did this guy become so let sensitive? Me, let me go back through my Justin phone. I'm just when curious. Did, <laughs> when did he become so sensitive? I don't think I'm being sensitive. Defensive, guys on our text thread last night and Justin and I just go silent. Yeah. My dad are fighting. Brock and I argue. Justin and Maura say nothing. <laughs> they don't like it. It's like Maura saying big dumper. She doesn't like it. Yeah, she's not, it's not right. She'll, not she'll right. Try. Yeah, it's weird. I would. I thought maybe you were out of range or something because no, I just awesome. didn't, I didn't see any of your uh, didn't see any of your texts. On, awesome on Friday or awesome Saturday. Awesome to see them come back and they're right there, right on the cusp for a team that needed it. As you said, five and five is not good enough. No. It's not good enough. Hundred games in, it's not good enough. When this has been the just overwhelming storyline of this whole, but season. it's also not bad enough to give up. That's right. <laughs> Which is just, it's been maddening. It's, yes. They're a very frustrating team. There's no doubt. They're not good enough and haven't been good enough to truly support them and believe in them. Yep. But they're not bad enough to nope. give up and just say there's no chance because they're still in it. Unbelievable. Just just bizarre. Anyway, we got a lot to do today. Uh, Seahawks training camp starts Wednesday. We talk a lot of football today. Uh, we are your home of the Seahawks and your only home for training camp coverage starting Wednesday. Broadcasting live from the sidelines, taking you behind the scenes as the Hawks get ready for the 23 campaign. Don't miss a minute with the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. And when I say we will be out there, I don't mean us in particular. I mean the station will be there we won't be. There is no reason to be out there. In the All morning. those 5 a.m. morning. Remember being out there when it was nice and chilly? It was freezing. Oh, it so good. always cold out the, there in the morning. The eagles flying around, getting everything warmed up. We're I always there. count on Salk to tell us exactly what the weather was <laughs> yes. at training camp I, I that morning. I don't like the cold. I have made <laughs> no, it eminently clear know. in my 14 years here. I do not like being outside for long periods of time in the cold weather. All right. Coming up, we'll give you everything you actually need to know. I'll see what kind of a shot Brock has in store for Brian Harmon. That's next on Brock and Salk. <laughs> Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. It was a pretty good weekend for the Mariners, but it wasn't. It's only this team could find a way to make that the case. They do uh, win two of their most exciting games of the season, Friday and Saturday in front of a packed house at home. All the momentum and then because they've given up so much of their margin for error, you lose a winnable game on Sunday, and it just sucks all the energy right back out of the weekend. They could have won that one yesterday, could have swept the Blue Jays, something they kind of needed to do. They were up 2 nothing early thanks to Mike Ford slash Babe Ruth. 1-0. Swing on, high drive, right field. Look at the carry. Giddy up. Gone. Hey, now, right off the hit it here cafe. Mike Ford with a two-run homer in the Mariners, an early lead. Here in the second inning. Yeah, that was a cannon shot. I mean, he certainly got all of that one. But you're down 4-3 late. Two on. Nobody out. You bunt J.P. Crawford, which is a, you know, debatable decision. I would have gone the other way. And then, unfortunately, Julio strikes out. Suarez flies out. And you can't mm. strike out on that. You just can't. you got to put the ball in play. Yep. You have to. And the difference between 51 and 48, three games over 500, a four-game winning streak, two and a half back of the Jays if you end up getting that versus, well, Toronto just finds a way to win and do what, you know, we talk about all the time. Just don't get swept. Just don't get just don't get swept because you get swept. You make up significant ground. The Mariners made up some. There is still a lot of hope. Four and a half is not insurmountable. But, man, it was all there for the taking. Right there. Awesome series. I think our guys played the tail off. 
ask for anything more uh, from our group. Um, you're hoping to, like I said, get a little bit more magic there at the end. Just didn't happen today. So uh, go out on the road trip. I think, you know, overall, uh, the homestand, you know, started off a little rough. Uh, Love the way we're playing right now. Um, just the energy, the competitiveness that we have, uh, knowing that we're not going to quit. We're in every game. And, you know, you're seeing that with the effort our guys are giving. So. Yeah, a lot of energy and a lot of energy in the building. How about that 10-game homestand, Drew? Uh, 350,000 people, just about 35,000 a night. That's good. And as Shannon Dreher said on the post-game show yesterday. Half of them left happy. <laughs> well, yesterday, but there was there were great environments throughout that homestand. Half of them left happy. There this were five team wins or five losses. That energy, and now they're going to have to, well, feed off water because it's going to be hot. It is going to be hot and humid in Minnesota. Obviously, Arizona is indoors. But this is the first time this season they've had to endure the kind of heat and humidity they're going to get in Minneapolis tonight. Here's the second thing you need to know. Hard to believe, but just two more days before we see the 2023 Seahawks take a big step towards their quest for another playoff appearance. They start training camp. Not a lot of drama, no holdouts, no contract disputes. You do have two real injury concerns in Jamal Adams and Jordan Brooks. I don't know if either will be ready to go on Wednesday. Throw in a second straight exciting rookie class and... I think you got a lot of intrigue around this team, certainly more than last year when the berm was half empty. Yeah, players, uh, or excuse me, coaches all report today. So it's funny about the NFL. You know, it's just like they go, 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 go. And then there's like a three-week, that's it. It's like your three-week just mecca, three-week oasis in the day where you get away from everything. Not even in the building. The coaches, though, they report today. The players will report, get all their physicals tomorrow. And then you're on the practice field Wednesday. And then it's like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, off day Sunday, and then you're into prep for preseason game number one. It just happens in an absolute blink of an eye. Well, one thing that we'll not see uh, that we will not see this year is a quarterback battle. That's for sure. They had one last year. Gino won the job, and he looked like a starting quarterback. Obviously, throughout last season, and if you were at any a rookie or uh, mini camp or or OTAs. It was a different feel. Pete Carroll recognized it. Yeah, yeah. He, he has been a, a really positive influence on the other guys. He's been he's so determined, and he he's he's got he's got his eye on uh, on the ball the whole way now, and, and uh, he's been so consistent and available, and, and the messaging is so solid. It's like you know, you, you, everybody needs to come along with him. He's going. You know? Yeah, he he did have a different feel to him. So I'm kind of curious what that berm is going to look like. For people out there well, this week. The only one that really saw it as far as the national pundits was my buddies over at Madden Football because they have Geno at number 12. I saw that. Yeah. I, I think that's about the first, honestly, about the first kind of outside. I mean, look at these tiers and you look at these rankings. It's about where he should be. After last season's performance, yeah. that's absolutely that's where about he where be. he should be. He's not a top 10 quarterback right now in the NFL, but I don't think he's outside the top 15, 16. That seems like about the right spot for him. Good on them. Here's the third thing you need to know. And Harmon makes his history at Hoylake. The champion golfer of the year is a little lefty, Brian Harmon. He slept on two five-stroke leads and still wins the Open Championship by six shots yesterday over a bunch of bigger names. Rom and Day both tied for second. Rory was one shot back of them and... He did a pretty 
good job, man. He putted incredibly well, and he used being left-handed to his advantage over the course of the weekend. When I got a chance to go to the Masters a couple of years Here ago, and it was... Here we go. It was incredible. And I'm pulling the Larry Hills. I'm never going to the Masters again, because it Wait, was... you went to the Masters? I oh, yeah. did. During I COVID. the grounds <laughs> on Sunday. No, it was at the end of COVID, but it was about half full, half capacity. No grandstands. You could get everywhere. These guys were right there by you. And here walked little Louie, who's Tyson. I mean, he he was, he could not have been 5'5". Five, five. I mean, he was just a little, he's over there, like, getting an ice cream sandwich, like, right by me. Like, look at little Louie. What's up, Louie? <laughs> and then Brian Harmon walked by. I'm like, You're, uh, come on. That's not a pro golfer. There's no <laughs> chance. His little short legs on his little short frame, there is no chance. And then, boom, bomb. Bomb, 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 bomb. Just he's not a bomber. Well, though. I mean, compared, like, not compared to you to and else. me and anybody yes. else you would play with, right. you're like. That's... But compared to the other guys, he's oh, not no. a bomber. No, it's he's crazy. not. No, he's not. Good but on him. It was pretty can, cool. He can putt. Sleeping on two big leads like that, not easy to do. And he got it done. Uh, Mariners make some roster moves. I know everybody was crushed that AJ Pollock went to the injured list. Taylor Trammell was back up. Prelander Baroa, kind of a failed first test. Three walks and just two-thirds of an inning. He goes back to Arkansas. And the Kraken paid Vince Dunn a four-year, $29.4 million deal to avoid arbitration and make him their highest-paid player. That is everything you need to know. Maura, you said something last hour. You just nailed it. I mean, so, so nailed, as you normally do. And by the way, are we going to get to – I know we all had crazy weekends. Yes. we're going to get to that next. Is yes. she going to get to her fashion show? Oh, we, we talked a little bit about that. Oh, Maybe you, you weren't up at 6 o'clock. No, we, we heard I quite mean, a bit who, about that. Who's up at 6 o'clock? I mean, I am. Maura is. And Justin it's is. the British Open. Maura, I'm totally with you. It's a British oh, Open. Yeah, Don't I, call it the Open. Okay? And what if, do we do with the British television? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, I think, I think that is as spot on as anything I heard that last hour. So good. It's a British Open. It's what it's always been. Don't tell me it's the Open. <laughs> and I've got to learn, is it the U.S. Open? It's the U.S. Open. It's the British Open. We call it the U.S. Open. We don't call it the Open. They call it the Open Championship. No, nah, it's called the British Open. Well, they call it the Open Championship. They want to call it that. And I still call it the Puyallup Fair. It's not the Western Washington State Fairgrounds. <laughs> wow. It is a Puyallup Fair. It's nice to see you feel so strongly about these Thank things. You. I appreciate your uh, your your intensity, in, your inability to change. I think that's great. <laughs> Thank you. Your, rigi- You're your rigidity is uh, well noted and respected. All right, uh, we did have crazy weekends. Mora at a fashion show. Justin watching people wipe out on scooters around Oregon. Brock driving <laughs> way too far by himself. And I was put in a spot that I never thought I would be in. That's next on Brock and Salk. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. It was like one of those weekends that they talk about, right, in Seattle. Everything was going on. Bite of Seattle. Capitol Hill block party. Cruise ships in town. Mariners and Blue Jays with all the invading Canadians. 520 clothes. Of course, because, you know, that's something you need to do during everything else that was going on this weekend. But uh, Maura was at a fashion show. Do you see the pictures and video that Maura sent over on Twitter from the fashion show? No. Oh, yeah. It was great. She sent it over on Twitter. Well, she sent it over to to everybody, I guess. Oh, she DM'd. Wait, wait, what is it now? It's not Twitter. On now. X. Is it X. Yeah, it was great. She DM'd you guys with that? I didn't. I wasn't on that. It was just an X thing. Don't okay. worry about it, Brock. Right. Yeah, I know you didn't have reception. <laughs> That's why you couldn't talk about the Mariners' nice wins. True. But uh, Mora had a great time, and it sounded like uh, it. what I saw from the pictures and video was that while it was fashion forward, it was not the like crazy, you know, what you see in Paris where you're like, okay, well, nobody could actually wear that kind mm. of thing. 
No, I would love to wear a lot of those dresses. Um, <laughs> Is it, it was, local designers? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was all local designers. Some of them have like won some pretty big awards, and uh, they um, had some great local models too. Everyone looked fantastic. I think Jean Juarez did the makeup and hair, and hmm. yeah, had it at the limit. And were there any field. golf claps at all, or any? Yeah, what did people do in the crowd? We were waiting yeah. to hear. Was there any Arsenio Hall? The models walk the runway, and then they come back around. At the very end, they all come back out so you can get one last look. And then the fashion designer comes out with the model. I think they pick, like, their favorite oh. outfit of oh, the Oh, not their like, favorite model. So they come back out, usually hand-in-hand hand with the model that has on, like, their their masterpiece Got it. Uh, of the of the looks. And then everyone, when they walk by, everyone claps. So they're all Seattle-based designers. Was there a lot of, like, flannel and no. <laughs> people took out their fleece vests? And so-and-so is Matt. No, but there was a punk rock festival going on on the lawn yeah. of the museum, like, right next door. Of I found course. out because Kimmy Klein, who does traffic that uh, we used to work with, I, I wow. asked her if she wanted to go to the fashion yeah. show. And she's like, I'm going to this punk rock festival in the same area. Yeah. Like, I could hear the music when I was, was outside. no effects. I'm surprised Brock so, wasn't there. Quite the contrast. That is surprising. Yeah, I would have would have guessed that. What that is no effects? Scene. What do no you effects, mean? Just a big band. Oh, just a big band. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, Pennywise. It was the it was the punk and drublet. How was how was my guy David Bailey's line? How was was David? Was well, it? He runs uh, Fashion District Northwest that oh. put on the whole show. Oh. So he was like oh. running oh. around making sure the, the yeah. music was set up right. And wow. um, but yeah, he's the one that invited me. Small world that just he played high boy. school football with Brock. Mm-hmm. It's ama- amazing how the, how far they come. Just uh, another Listens to the podcast, so that's how he knew. He's like, I heard you used to model. Get that salesports.com. Uh, you know, wherever you get your podcast. Great. I, I had a crazy weekend, man. I got to tell you, it, it really was nuts. I <laughs> Friday night at Snoqualmie Casino to watch Queensryche, hour and a half of ear splitting metal. It was phenomenal. Yeah, your video, uh, like, it, I, it just didn't set this. I, I mean, I love well, that song. The right, Silent Silent City. City. No, I love that song. Do you want, I mean, I didn't take a lot of it. I try not to take a lot of video. You try to shows. be present. You just want to be present. I, seriously, I try not to take a lot of video, especially during concerts, because I never go back and watch them. Were there and many I, folks there? The, the shot that you had. It, uh, there were a couple. I was in the third row. And there okay. was a couple people right in front of us not there. Okay. It was great. Oh, okay. Great atmosphere. They were fantastic. I'm sorry if the uh, video didn't do it justice, but they were awesome, man. We had a great time. But Saturday was a totally unique experience. It wasn't like that? It was not like that. There were a lot more people. Uh, everybody knew every word to the show. And honestly, if you don't mind, can we have a serious discussion about something Did unserious? Did you take both girls? Yes. Wow. Well, all three. Heather, Avery, and Cecil. Oh, wow. It was the four of us at Taylor Swift on Saturday. And I left with what I can only describe as some very mixed emotions. First of all, only concert I've ever been to that I enjoyed where I didn't like the music. Like, that's a that's a rare thing. I had a great time. Uh-oh. But this is not my kind of music. Right? I mean, that's not my thing. Is that your thing? No. Right, me neither. I had to pretend it was my thing for many years when I worked on Movie 92.5. <laughs> well, you I mean, did a great job, her, Justin. You're quite the actor. There's Thank some you. of her songs that are pretty catchy. There's some that, No, she's got a know. bunch of, like, a pop. It's pop music. Like, yep. it's supposed to be catchy, and mm-hmm. it is. And she's talented, and she's good at it, and she can sing. I believe that Guns N' Roses is pop music, too. No, it's not. <laughs> pretty much. No, it's not. I mean, that's rock music, and they're two completely different things. Okay. Be careful, Mora. Be Sweet real careful. What we're, City, that what? Be I mean, careful what we're treading well, on here. I'm not going yes. no, to dig not, into it. That's popular. There's a difference between popular and pop. Don't you think? Yes. Popular is music that people like. 
Pop is a specific brand and style of music, and that's what she does, and she's great at it. It was awesome. This feels sometimes when you say pop like you think it's like less than. Not in any way. No. She's a pop music <laughs> star. That's the style of music she plays. Just like some people play country and some people play rock and some yeah. people play bluegrass, she plays pop. And with kind of a folk influence to it, and she's really, really good at it. But she's not really the story, and nor is her music. And that's actually what made The weekend so bizarre. It was incredibly inspiring in a lot of ways. I've never seen anything like it. As I said, there's 72,000 people there. I got to say 65,000 of them were women. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. I mean, I don't have an official count on that, but I would be willing to bet it was about 90% women. Mm-hmm. Tens of thousands of them of all ages, and I've never seen a group of people be kinder to each other. Mm. It was in- incredibly inspiring. They all have these homemade beaded bracelets that they make, and they have like, you know, five, six, eight, twelve, fifty of them on their <laughs> arm at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they trade them with each other. And the trade is just like, hey, you want to trade beads? Like, yeah. And they just... One takes one off one wrist. The other takes one off the other wrist. Nobody's like, oh, don't take this one. They just like whatever you want. Take the one you like. Take the one you like. And it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And Cecily is nine years old, and she had a couple of beads on, and people kept coming over to her, like, really excited. Old, you know, people, teenagers, whomever, excited to trade beads with Cecily at age nine, and she just felt so, like, part of it. and Yeah, yeah, empowered. It was really, really cool. There was a girl sitting right behind me who was in a wheelchair with a neck brace. I don't know what was – I don't know why. I don't know what her, her disability was. I couldn't believe how many people came over to trade beads with her. Mm. It was like constant, nonstop for like two hours before the concert and even during people just so constantly. Washington nice, not ice. No, 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 it man. Was... I've never. No, it wasn't that. It was it was it was unique, man. I've mm. growing up and maybe that's where and when we grew up or at least where I grew up. I never saw anybody take extra care to be nice to somebody in a wheelchair. Sorry. Oh, didn't happen in Boston in the 80s. Mm-hmm. That was not my experience growing up at all. Mm. And it was absolute. and it didn't seem fake. It didn't seem forced. It seemed totally natural and warm. And as I said, that would have been unimaginable to what I what I knew of growing mm. up. And oh, it really stood out to me. You have all these women. Everybody was dressed up, not in fleece and flannel, which is what you normally <laughs> see here. Don't worry. If you're going to the opera in Seattle, you can wear your fleece vest. But if you're going to see Taylor Swift, bring out the best clothes you have because that's what people were wearing. It was crazy. And Heather was commenting on it. You know, you see all these women dressed up and in many cases wearing very revealing clothing. And it's like, you know, when that happened when we were younger. Mm hmm. You're at a club. People are going to meet people of, you know, for to go home with them one night or whatever. Not a lot, not there. It's all women. I mean, like, that was not the vibe at all. Nobody was picking anybody up. It was just, this is how I feel like dressing for this show, and this is how I express myself. And I don't know. Was it for, like four hours? Brock, it was three and a half hours long. I've she just played just her. She played 45 songs. And the crowd knew every word to every song. Okay, so for you two music aficionados. And it was as loud. Hold on. It was as loud in there as it was at a Seahawks game. I could see that. Higher pitched. Yeah, a little higher pitched, yeah, maybe. notes. But it was absolutely as loud. Part of that is because of the design of that stadium, Did right? you turn your watch off? Because when I get around loud noises, my watch Oh, no, it constantly me. says, like, yeah. you're over you're 100 decibels or whatever. Very loud oh, environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... She was she was great. Hmm. 
she finds a way to connect emotionally with millions of people. And it's not about her music because her music's okay. It's not particularly complicated. in, In our lifetime, who else? Connects emotionally like that? Yes. Brock, I, I can't come up with many people. I mean, I guess it's there's an element of sort of the like jam bands with the fish and the dead and groups like that because they have their following. Yes. Or Jimmy Buffett because he has his following. People are going for a vibe when they go to those shows. But I, I, I mean, this is a different vibe from those. But I guess that would be the closest I could come up mm. with in terms of, of Justin. Of, you've been around the music scene for yeah, twenty, thirty. I'm, I'm I mean, trying to think. The only thing I think that came close was the boy band Fever, but those were short bursts. Right. Yes. This is a sustained Correct. career person. Correct. And they're not connecting emotionally. Herself. They're just you know connecting superficially. Sure, but I'm thinking of like just that 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 level of fandom. Like the level hyster- of fandom we've seen, Michael Jackson. I mean, like yes. we've seen that in yes. terms of level of fandom, but I don't think we've ever seen. Like, I can't come up with the emotional connection, yep. which is why it is so you know crazy and why it's created such a such a frenzy around it all. But I will say, and and this will be an unpopular opinion, and maybe this is more serious than it should be. It makes me concerned for the future of men. <laughs> I'm and I'm not what? joking. What? It's going to be hard for me to like describe without yeah. sounding like a uh-huh. complete yeah. idiot. Yeah. But I I think the the whatever it's been for the last however many hundred years of patriarchy and I, I think men are toast. <laughs> I think the reign of men is over. Taylor Swift concert. Taylor Swift did this. Yep, did it. Taylor broke them. Something I've been thinking about for a long time, but it pushed me over the top. I think the only question left is how men choose to handle that. Do you choose to, like, join the new society, or do you choose oh. to rebel and get pushed out of the way? I I feel sort of convinced that this is the case. And maybe I'm dramatically and drastically overreacting to what <laughs> yeah. I saw on Saturday, yeah. but it's absolutely what's struck Yeah, that me. feels like me as a Mariners fan. The same level of... A little of overreaction? Yeah, yeah, maybe, just a little bit. But I can understand emotionally when you feel that it, just it, sense it, of hope I, and that connectiveness and I felt 67,000 women yeah. that made it feel as if they didn't need men in their life anymore. Yeah. That was that was the vibe of that concert, and that is something that is different than I can remember in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what all men do is sit around playing video games all day. I don't really blame them. Like, what, what do they need what it for? Happening? Where are we going here? <laughs> Were you I'm playing? empowered. I Let's mean, go. Justin wasn't T-Swift. playing video games. He spent a week on scooters. No. I wasn't. Yeah. Well, much and better. At that point, I would say it is about her music because she writes all of her own songs and she's famous for the breakup song. Correct. And it's yeah. very like she's you'll see all these like videos of people breaking them all down online and like this line meant the most to me and this one hit me like it's an emotional connection, man. Yep, it is. I, I got to tell you, I think the music's <laughs> terrible, but she is connecting with a fan base in a way that I don't think has ever Raj happened before. Voice, so oh. I don't care about your He doesn't have a good voice, but they're remarkable musicians. Totally different thing. <laughs> yep. She Shh. plays instruments and writes her own songs. I don't feel like you give her enough credit as a musician. Okay. You can <laughs> yes. absolutely, you're entitled to that feeling more. Does Ed Sheeran I, write his own songs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I was going to say, he's the last one that I saw sold out. Single guy, right? Yeah, just a Selling sing- out the lumen. Yep. Just and yeah, I was at that concert. And I think we were there together. Yeah, yeah. we were there together. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, but no, she has a way to connect. Damon's daughter was just outside, just trying to get tickets, just wanted to be out, really? along with thousands of others yeah. last night that just were outside and didn't even get in, but just wanted to be a part of that just communal environment. It looked 
like there was people outside just singing in the parking lot. There was. There? Thousands and thousands of them. I, I, I was blown away. But whatever, man. They're louder than the 12s. I'll tell you that much. Whoa. It was oh. so unbelievably ear-piercingly loud. And it wasn't her. It was the crowd. I mean, just screaming and squealing. And, uh-huh. Were Cecily and Avery screaming? Uh, no, they sang along, though. They knew a lot of the songs, and they sang along. And What's whatever. her number one of ones? What's the one? Was, is there I mean, a one of ones? Off is her biggest song, I think. And that was probably still the one that got the, the, the that whole album got the biggest yeah. reaction. Yeah. Bad Blood and that and yeah. Wildest Dream style, a couple others. I mean, look, Bad she's blood. got, yeah, yeah, she's got, I thought, 10 to 15 good songs, which is a lot. She played 45, and the crowd there liked every single one of them. So credit to her. Pretty darn cool. You said you were having trouble figuring out exactly how to put it into words. Someone said, OMG, this is the plot of the new Barbie movie. <laughs> maybe it is. So I got to go maybe see we'll that. Maybe we'll understand it fully. I'm telling you, man, I, I am starting to become a believer of this theory. And if you're playing video games all day, get out of your basement and live your life, man. Okay, that's what Salk's telling you, too. <laughs> This is Brock and Sog's Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Sog. All right, Brock, question number one, Blue 88. The Seahawks, pretty conservative with their two top rookies, their yep. two first-round picks in the offseason. Didn't play a whole lot, right? Didn't contact, anything like that. What do you expect them to look like in training camp? I expect them to pass their physical, Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba, tomorrow. Players fly in today. Coaches are working today. Physicals are tomorrow. I expect both of them to pass with flying colors and both of them to be full speed. I don't think there's going to be any holding back. There's just, frankly, now not enough time. That is, you start to look at this calendar and how fast it goes. And I was talking to some NFL people about this, and I do wonder if this is going to change eventually, that if they're going to spread out training camp longer with a whole lot more off days built into it, I think that's what, frankly, a lot of the, the organizations would like to do. But they don't, and they take three weeks off, and you know they have this time, and now they just ramp right back up and get mm-hmm. back to work. But no, unlike OTAs and unlike the mini camp where they were very guarded, where those guys did not do a lot of the team or, or did limited reps, and, and both of them, I think, with hamstrings, certainly Jackson's hamstring, still wanted to get right. No, those guys are going to hit the ground running, and they're going to be right there with the ones. Jackson will be in that number one huddle from the jump. Devin's going to push and push, and he and Michael Jackson are going to get go after it for that starting spot opposite of Tariq. But both of those guys should be full speed and should not be and have the guardrails they had in the offseason. All right, question number two. Jamal Adams, Brock, you're sort of the official Jamal Adams guy. Yeah. Like, when I need information on yes. Jamal, you're always the guy I go to. Yes. What do you make of uh, his ability? He's Will not he be able pass. to pass. Oh, right. He's not going to pass the physical. Get to finish the question. Yeah, don't even. Hey, well, I'm the Jamal Adams guy. I could finish before you even finish the question. So that's what happens when you're the Jamal Adams guy. Will Jamal pass his physical? No. No, and Jordan won't either. Jordan Brooks still coming off the ACL. That one's not a surprise. That one's absolutely not a surprise at all. The the question with Jamal is going to be, and I think some of this is Jamal. I think some of it's the team. I think some of it is Jamal's people. I think some of it is the team's people. The likelihood of him playing 17 regular season games this year, very, very low. That body has been through an awful, awful lot in a very short time. And so I I think the question then becomes, well, 
How do we make sure we have him when it really matters? Can you win a season in the first quarter, Mike? Can you win a season in the second quarter? No, you win that season when it matters in December, in January, in those games. So how they ramp him back up, how he decides to be ramped back up, does he want to be there, you know, week number one, raring to go with his guys? Or is it, hey, let's, we've been down this road, (laughs) and we watched Cam Chancellor's career get cut way too short. Right, different deal. Spinal cord. That, that, I mean, totally different. They just happen. Just but the way injury. they play right. is very similar, and that is with reckless abandon and massive violence and contact. So he will not. He will start on the pup. He will not pass his physical tomorrow. And then the real question is going to be: Okay, when will the ramp up be? Are they really going to try to have him ready for the opener? Do you think he's ready for the opener? I think that that's going to be a question that those two sides talk about an awful lot over the weeks ahead. All right, question number three. Speaking of the uh, PUP and those physicals, who yep. are you going to be uh, looking to see, you know, curious about their results of their physicals? Yeah, I think there's two guys in this offseason that kind of flew under the radar with their absence. And, you know, we talked a lot a lot about Jamal, at least I did. (laughs) And we watched those first-round rookies, and they were very guarded and protective with them, but we kind of just didn't really take in Abe Lucas and Kobe Bryant. And Abe Lucas had a a shoulder that he had to get fixed and did very little this entire offseason. I really hope he passes his physical tomorrow and he's ready to go, because I want those two tackles to do what they did a year ago, and that is be bookends, that's be stable, that's be just rocks to, to build upon. So I'm going to keep an eye on that. And the other one's Kobe Bryant. Hmm. I'm going talk about all these secondary moves and the personnel and the nickel spot and all of that. And I liked his swag, man. I liked it. By the end of the year, you could see his confidence just grow and like start to own that position, that nickelback position that has seen a lot of guys through the turnstiles over the years, really since Walter Thurman trying to land on that guy. Justin Coleman did a pretty darn good job of it. But uh, yeah, he was he was nicked up this offseason. I think his was a toe. So those two will be uh, two guys that I will keep an eye on because I would certainly like to see them start training camp day one, a full go. That is today's Blue 88. Do that every morning at 745. And uh, obviously we are just uh, days away here from the start I feel like of it just jumped camp. like this. I don't know if, if the Mariners have been so. I was chatting with a, a buddy of mine. It's been a wild week, by the way. I don't think I've ever been more places in seven <laughs> days than I have been the last seven days. And spending like emotional time connecting with people and friends and all sorts of stuff. But um, one of my buddies has a, has a daughter going off to college. He's like, oh, it's it's time. Like, oh, <laughs> like it's just been a whirlwind tornado. I mean, just please. And the only way that there's going to be growth is out of the nest. And we've experienced that so far with, with our two as well. But just the energy that it just takes, like, oh, so much energy. And it feels like the, this Mariner season has just taken so much yeah. energy, so many it's peaks. It's been exhausting. So many valleys, so many highs, so many lows, so many storylines. Add Jared's to it last week. Like, oh, what a drama this year has been. But because of it, the NFL and the Seahawks like, oh, oh, they start in two days. Oh, whew, let's go. Right? I mean, not to turn the attention away from one. No, but because it's just... they are right in it, and we will be watching just as closely for the next six. But the amount of just, oh, they're exhausting me. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> these series are exhausting. You and me. I had to go on vacation for the better part of the last month just to escape. 
<laughs> just yes. to just to like collect ourselves and be ready but for because August. Of it, the Seahawks hit the ground Wednesday. Like, yeah. It is full go, ready to go Wednesday with preseason. And I think the preseason games, the first of them start this upcoming weekend. Like it is just there. The NFL goes dormant. And then all of a sudden, boom. You know, it just blooms right in front of your eye like that. So it's uh, it's coming. It's coming in a hurry. Well, we've got uh, some treats for you uh, along those lines. We've got uh, we're going to do some stuff at nine o'clock on what we think and don't think about the Seahawks team as we're sort of kind of reengaging on who they are, what they are and what they're going to be this year. And there's some question marks and there's some stuff I think we feel pretty confident in and mm-hmm. and. You know, um, later this week, probably put out the uh, the top Seahawks storylines heading into training camp, which is always fun to do. Uh, they'll be very different, I think, from last year. Moore went back and found the ones from last year, and I think they'll be very different this year with Geno Smith in a completely different spot than he was uh, a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you got all, some new faces. You got another rookie class, which after years of feeling sort of down about the rookies, all of a sudden there's a lot of hope. Probably more because of what they did last year than because of what yep. they drafted this year. Yep. But it sure seems to fit the same profile, right? Mm-hmm. The same kind of team, same kind of class. So, and, and you're back to just competition, legitimate competition. All over the all over the roster. So many of those years where they're just you could preach it. Pete wrote a book about it. Mm-hmm. But the contract situations, the experience situations, the talent differentiation, there really wasn't. And this year at, at edge rusher, this year in the interior line, this year at, at, in the secondary, this year at wide receiver, this year at running back. Like, no, there is legit competition across the board, which is exactly the way the Mastro that runs the whole thing. That's how he wants and bounces it. around out there and wears his gloves and does his striders. And he is, you know, that he is like geeked out of his mind, Pete Carroll, to get this thing going, as are a lot of us. Well, we will uh, do it by start, starting our countdown, which we've done for years. I think we took a couple of years off, but it's time to bring it back. Yeah. The 25 most intriguing Seahawks players, one Ooh. a day at 8 o'clock every day for the next what is it going to be five weeks we will go through the most intriguing seahawks players in order and we'll kick it off with a bang next